Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest installment of Westworld Dives. Uh, we're, we're coming at you. Episode three of season three, The Absence of Field. I have no idea what the fuck that means, but at least this week, Christian, I know what the title of the episode that we're reviewing is. So that's a, baby, that's a step baby up. steps. Yeah, baby, baby steps. steps. <laughs> Every single week, you know, do a little bit better. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have a special guest in the studio. Uh, coronavirus, social distancing, um, and Tony Hopkins could not figure out the fucking Skype in uh, technology to save his life. So bless his heart. He's staying safe, you know, but uh, we'll, we'll probably have somebody in the studio next week to talk to us about Westworld, all their, all their hot, hot goss. What it was like being on the set. How West yeah. is the world? You know, important questions. <laughs> Uh, Christian, um, so you you had some you liked more or less the first episode. You had some beef with the second. How did right. you? We haven't talked about this episode at all uh, off mic. What did you think about episode three of season three? I'll tell you what's really interesting. I think last week I lamented two things, which is uh, I felt like without with the absence of not a single human kind of character to kind of ground me a little bit more it felt i know mave is is an advanced host but she's still a host and now without her daughter as the primary motivator i'm i'm left wondering what her real motivation is she's, so it's hard. neo in the matrix after the first matrix pretty right much. which is just an insufferable fucking bore i think that's the problem <laughs> with those matrix movies is like neo's too cool for school at this point you know and right. mave is following a similar thing so i think that i was a little off uh, put by the last episode which simultaneously i think i said that my favorite part of it was just being back in the park right seeing bernard actually in westworld what i'm realizing is that i i'm really liking the show way more outside of the park than i did inside the park like uh, for me um you know they, they didn't advance any of the mave shit so i can't speak to as to where that's going but i'll tell you that immediately the stakes feel much higher out in the real world uh, as opposed to the Mave thing, which felt like there was very little consequences. And it's weird because I was like, I want to be back in the park. And now I'm realizing in the third episode, I like everything outside the park. Yeah, no, I, I really like the kind of uh, very sleek, slick sci-fi direction that they're going in. Uh, weird that the streets in this sci-fi dystopia are very clean and very empty. Right. There's like no traffic. There's no people. Like what's the population density on Earth at this point? Like what's going on? And this is Los Angeles, right? Uh, supposedly, yeah, future LA. Supposedly. But 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 again, that answers that, that begs a very interesting question. Which again, nothing's real, nothing's real. Which is my right. super fucking concern. They've already in this episode they allude to like the clone world or whatever. What's to say that this isn't that clone world? Like there maybe right. there's already signs of how desolate shit seems in a supposed to be urban center. Right. Like is this like uh, taking place inside of the supercomputer running a simulation, and this is just one like variant timeline that could be happening or some shit. And then at the end of the season, it's going to cut to Dolores finally getting off the boat from Westworld. And she's like, all right, <laughs> here we go. Well, uh, again, what's, what's really interesting about that is that this doesn't really further any of the larger mythology. We're three episodes in and the larger mythology hasn't really been advanced at all. It's been a lot of exposition, not saying in, in, a, in a super bad way at all, but right. it has been very much like we are dealing with the consequences of the here and now. Uh, and so, you know, we... First of all, big spotlight. We have yet to, we're like five minutes into this and we have not talked about Tessa Thompson, who I feel like the writers finally figured out how to use this woman <laughs> because for the first couple of years, I mean, like she's very staticky, you know, that she's done subtle work when you see that she's like host uh, Charlotte versus regular Charlotte. But right. we've never seen like, I mean, I really liked this episode. Overall impressions, I really liked this episode. Uh, mm -hmm. One, because they kind of gave her a showcase 
And because I really like the B story, the B story works for me and there feels like there's real consequences to it and whatnot. Uh, how do you want to kind of approach this episode uh, critically? I was wondering because I don't want to get too uh, beat by beat, but there are some kind of heady themes in both uh, subplots. So I want to talk uh, about, we could talk about a story, B story, Aaron Paul. We want to talk about him and his, his little sort of uh, adventures with Dolores or Dolores's adventures with him rather. Um, right. We, yeah. Because we completely take a week off when we go to, we go to yeah. war world at some point. So we kind of forget, but we last, we see Dolores, she's bleeding out in the tunnel and uh, Jesse Pink. One of our, our big questions is like this, the success of the show kind of hinges on um, Aaron Paul and how, he integrates into the story uh how they make that make sense to have Dolores sort of team up with him uh how do you think they did I think they did a really good job um but but they took a long walk to get to the point that I wanted now that's not to talk shit at all because there were set pieces and I think when you do set pieces the story is usually going to come second to kind of the thing that you're trying to pull off so when we find her the we get into the ambulance right Mm-hmm. And they're en route. And I thought this was interesting, again, from a world-building perspective. We're at the point that technology has made us dumb. The paramedics don't know what the fuck to do because they're waiting for the machine to tell them we're, what we're to waiting do. waiting on a plan of action. Yeah, yeah, which is fucking a little revealing. And again, I think they did a really good job in that first episode kind of setting up the world. So like when they get pulled over by the cops, right? Suddenly, woo, woo, fucking Malibu homicides behind them. Uh, <laughs> and this is still LA after all. And... Uh, you know, he checks his app immediately. They had already established the app. They had established this like dark underworld of uh, the, the, the Craigslist right. of like shit. The yeah. Uber of fucking crime pretty much. Right, yeah. yeah. So I think they did a really good job with that. And uh, again, the story takes a little bit of a backseat, but everything in the back half with the Aaron Paul stuff, I think is really well done uh, because they, they kind of start talking about something that another really equally ambitious show that we're watching right now is covering, which is this like intense predictive analysis, this like algorithm that can predict. We were talking about on a micro level, like, hey man, they're going to suggest this coffee that you want 10 seconds before you even know that you want a fucking coffee. That's right. spooky. But we're talking about like this, the ability to have been watching you to track your every movement that they can predict when your life will end which right. is horrific man like like we we think it's statistically probable that you're going to kill yourself on this bridge 10 years from now or so and it's like yeah okay that's t- fucking terrifying and yeah a show we're watching right now devs is the show um which i think we'll cover at some point probably at the end of its run for sure yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, the Aaron Paul stuff, I think for the most part, was pretty bracing and fun. Um, I'm more and more understanding what Dolores' goals are. Because in season two, a lot of that was not clearly defined. Um, and maybe we just didn't have all the information, but that was sort of what made season two kind of a slog, is because I never found Dolores particularly convincing um, in that sort of new role. But seeing her in this modern setting, how she's operating, how she kind of has the the system by the balls a little bit um, and how she's manipulating it to her advantage uh, has been really kind of fun. Um, I, I sort of liked the, uh, the concept of like having that weird mouth implant where like those guys could like elevate his heart rate because he had this military grade mouth implant. Yeah. The drip. Yeah. Yeah. The drip. Um, I liked that whole set piece. Uh, yeah, no, uh, the, the thing with this show and especially this episode in this season is that it really does swing for the fences. And sometimes it's, it's walking that tightrope for me right now where it's almost kind of hokey 
and almost kind of not working, but it did work at the end of the day. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, enough of it works. I'm going to tell you the first time you see kind of like what will end up being the big origin story in, in a way, right? His mother leaving him, uh, mm. the, the bipolar thing, like the, you know, this defining moment, the worst moment of his life, which was just, uh, some words and a spreadsheet <laughs> to some fucking soulless company. That's going to try to predict every, you know what I'm saying? Like it gets to the point where when they first show you that stuff, I'm like, ugh, I don't really like it. And and when it happens, it's not like super perfect, but enough of it lands that you're like, okay. And then, then they cut back to Aaron Paul, who is doing some really great work here, man. I got to tell yeah. you, like it's little things, but love that scene where he's talking to Dolores about the worst day of his life because you see him in real time starting to change and understand that he's a part of something much larger than himself. Mm-hmm. Ooh got this alarm telling me to talk more about Westworld, even though I'm already talking about Westworld. Uh, but the, um, but also when, when, when the cops first come, he's like, well, if they're cops, they won't mind <laughs> like just the weird, yeah. like little vocal choices that he makes. <laughs> and I'm just like, he's doing, he's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. So even though in as inartistic as an exposition drop at, at a pier is, cause that's what that scene is. It's just like, let me just throw a lot of words at you they still ground it with enough of a character pathos that I, that it works for me. And I understand why he's willing to, to go down this road. Yeah. And both of those, I mean, they, they've done a good job setting up who he is, how he's stuck in this loop, how society has set him up to fail. And uh, Dolores's whole speech to him or that entire back half of the episode with them together is like a weird uh, seduction or like courtship, not seduction in a sexual sense, but just like in the sense that she's sort of slowly Uh, revealing this information to him and slowly getting him to see without telling him what to think. uh, Hey, this is, you know, you're a victim of this system. We can take this system down. Um, And it was, uh, I I thought it was like mostly really well paced. Um, I don't really have any, any beef with that part of the episode, to be honest. yeah, yeah. I just, I, well, yeah, I just wanted to add, I think it's interesting because it is about autonomy, right? She isn't like forcing him to do anything. Their paths cross purely by coincidence or is there any coincidence, right? That's something that this fucking episode, predictive algorithms and shit, right? Like it's, it's sort of dealing with that whole nature. Maybe there is whatever a semblance of fate is in this world. Maybe these people were always supposed to, meant to cross paths. But mm-hmm. again, the thing that I said last episode when they showed it in the preview and the thing that was so heartbreaking for me. It was like, you're the most real thing that's happened to me in years. And I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) You know? So, uh, that seems like a beginning of a tragedy to me. Maybe that's not where we're going, but, uh, that's what it seems like. And so far I think they've, you know, all the actors and the writing has been mostly working, uh, together to, to make it actually land for me. Um, you want to talk about, let's go to the, the A story because here's the thing with the A story. I'm a little annoyed by it, but, uh, but only in little ways. Uh, Talking about Tessa Thompson's story? Tessa Thompson's story, only the smallest of ways. Okay, there's just there's two things that, a little, that kind of annoy me. Uh, sure. But everything else, like I'm going to say her performance was really wonderful. Like really wonderful. Uh, and in and, and, and two strokes makes me care about old Charlotte Hale more than I have ever cared about her. Uh, you know, showed more emotion, more of a, a human side than I've ever yeah. seen. Well, did uh, we even know that she had a, a kid no. uh, up until now? I, I didn't think so, um, which was interesting. And I, I know that uh, they have spoken in the past about how they were never really sure how to use Tessa Thompson, but right. they knew that they wanted to use her somehow. So that's why they kept her around as Robo Charlotte now. Um, but yeah, definitely did more work in one scene than the entire show did to make you care about Charlotte Hale, the human. 
Right. Now, my criticism with this is that scene that plays out, actually, we see a transmission, right? The first thing we see is a transmission and then it cuts off. Like, this message is for, and then it cuts, right? Mm -hmm. So then later in the episode, we get the full uh, length of that scene. And it's a powerful moment. I'm not saying it's not powerful. But I think that, along with kind of uh, a couple of the ways they would try to omit revealing information is like yeah. kind of what I was worried about where it's like this is still Westworld after all so they're going to hold on to a secret for as long as they can for perceived dramatic effect but the problem is the longer they hold on to that like the yeah. avenues start to close in on them I, I'm glad you agree because you know last week we, we was the first time we really disagreed about an episode and I was so worried that this is the kind of stuff they would kind of fall back on even though it's masked by a wonderful Tessa Thompson performance doesn't stop the writing problems yeah, if I had uh, one one big beef with this episode, um, and I know I keep saying beef as a critical term, uh, and I'm going to keep saying it. I don't give a right. shit who you are. Come <laughs> at me. Um, uh, no, if I had beef with this episode, it would be more so that they're withholding the identity of who sh- Robo Charlotte actually is. And there's yeah. a small handful of people. And I've read that, like, okay, Teddy is the obvious choice, so it won't be Teddy. So maybe it will be... Uh, Wyatt was extricated from Dolores's head and put into a body or Dolores alternately or somebody else or a whole new host. Um, and the, my, my main thing is I don't really care uh, who it is yet. Right. Uh, well, just on an emotional level, let's talk about that. I don't care. I'm completely with you. So like, but then you start to think about it. It has to be a host, right? Yeah. So it's not unless the man in black has been a host this whole time, which I'm not subscribing to. It's not him. Uh, and it wouldn't make the same kind of sense. You know what I mean? The only right. thing that really makes sense is either Teddy, which Marsden's all but confirmed that he's in this season, by the way. I looked that up afterwards because I'm like, well, oh, really? what? yeah, because like, what the fuck else can it be? Like this whole like, oh, you're, you belong to me and blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, it's either that or like her father. But then what dramatic right. weight does that hold for me? I got more interested in the like weird I questions. Of that, to be real, like that might be the answer. It be could be sure but like does that like so the other thing is then you're like okay maybe it's clementine but she was never a homie of dolores's really she was on mave's team so like yeah. that relationship wouldn't make sense either and then i started thinking in that weird binary thing too because even though they're a host i'm like well she's a woman right and it's interesting to me because it's like what if whoever is inside charlotte is not you know, like if it is Teddy, it's like a guy who was programmed to think he's a man, and now he's like in deep cover pretending to be a woman. There's like, like this whole extra layer of like weird identity inside that, which I was like, oh, that's really interesting to me. But yeah. my point is on a dramatic level, it's like it's Teddy or it's her dad. And if it's anyone else, it doesn't work. If it's Tony Hopkins somehow, it's dumb. If it's the man in black, <laughs> it's dumber. <laughs> like, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm a little worried about that because again, they're omitting it because they want the reveal to be so shocking. But either we're yeah. going to figure it out long beforehand or it's going to be something that feels completely undercooked. Yeah, I mean, it's just not a compelling enough because I know it's an answer that is going to be revealed. It's just not a compelling enough narrative through line. Now, I do want to bring it to Ciroc, Vincent Cassell. Like that is compelling to me so far. The idea of like somebody being a black hole in this age of data and collection and information. 
uh, to the point where he's the richest man on earth and nobody well, even fucking knew it until it they was made that more interesting this episode because i didn't give a yeah. shit last episode i just thought like oh god damn it it's gonna be you know like that mechanism of like oh this billionaire is in ha- intent on getting the technology but by making him this anonymous black hole in this overly surveyed world right we know right. everything's connected because they've given themselves over to this like hive mind of technology that is fascinating like they did yeah. so much more with him in this episode even though he's on screen for i think less than he was last episode you know like, yeah but it, oh, even visually um just having him you know tessa thompson arrives at the the gates gets rerouted arrives at the gates puts the glasses on and then you see this flickering kind of vincent cassell who doesn't look like he's quite there because he's not um, right. and then just saying a lot of you know ominous shit um and it is revealed uh, in this episode that that was the man who was asking for data to be extracted from westworld and that charlotte hale was the one who was doing it as far back right. as season one when you had the woodcutter uh trying to transmit data out of the park um yeah uh i i like that so far it could be a narrative dead end but at least in terms of things that are kind of keeping the momentum going uh what is Dolores doing and where is that going? Like we kind of more understand that. So that's. And we, and we also understand that Dolores is the key for his plans. So it's, it's, you finally understand some of the motivations and how the end game is going to come into place, which is my complaint early on. They're focusing mm-hmm. in on, which is why the, a lot of this worked. Again, yeah. my big issue is that even though Tessa Thompson was great, I just really felt like this is not something you need to admit, or you should have structured this in a way where we think Charlotte gets out of that park. I mean, that's just the truth of it because it's way more effective if she is unaware. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's you know the, the whole episode works as a whole, and I like for the most part that it's not doing its Westworld bullshit in terms of like let's cover this in an enigma and wrap it in a riddle. You know, like we are just we know the stage, and now we're seeing the the consequences play out, which is fascinating, yeah. and I really like it. But and uh, to to speak to our one complaint about the episode, I would love nothing more than for this show to come up with this amazing answer I hadn't considered and blow my goddamn mind and have it all make sense and tie it together in a narratively satisfying way. And it might very well do that or at least put the work in later to justify this sort of uh, beating around the bush that this episode is doing with that. But I liked the things around that enough that it didn't tank the episode for me. Um, I liked the idea of like her like picking at her own skin and everything as if something else is trying to come out. Yeah. Um, her sort of uh, identifying with Charlotte Hale as a human being to the point where she thinks she is Charlotte Hale or maybe part of her thinks she is. Uh, so there's some interesting stuff going on here. Um, yeah, definitely strong start to the season, I'd say. At least for you, two out of three, right? Yeah, no, two out of three. And again, my my issue with two hasn't been solved, but it hasn't been proven right either. You know what I'm saying? So that jury's still out on that one. Everything I've seen in the real world, the first episode's the world building, right? You have to Mm -hmm. do a lot of heavy lifting. We saw the application of the world building in the third episode, and we also advanced the focus and the like the the conflict. So, like, what am I complaining about? You know, like next episode, I think it's going to be really interesting because now we're halfway through whatever the story is going to be. Uh, mm-hmm. By that point, we should have a much clearer idea of who's doing what and, and what the stakes are. Uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I'm excited. I mean, I, it's a show that completely reinvented itself. And I don't think that we have given it the credit it really deserves for literally changing its DNA. Like, sometimes yeah. Westworld's going to Westworld. I'm not saying it's <laughs> perfect. But, like, it's stripped down a lot of shit. And it's very impressive, man. Yeah, it's it's uh, very much narrowed its focus. It's already drawing connections between disparate characters and parties and their interests and everything um, in a so far pretty exciting way in a so far pretty exciting environment. So, yeah, I'm I'm very much enjoying this reinvention uh, of the format. 
Um, so we'll see where it takes us. Hopefully some good, interesting places. Hopefully. Um, all right. Well, you know, I think we, we nailed it next week. Like I said, is the halfway point. So I'm really excited. We'll check back in, you know, we'll get some cast members in here. Tell us how West the world is and, uh, figure stuff out, I guess. I mean, any, any final words, Max? No. <laughs> all right. Until next time. <laughs> Thank you.